We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hello everybody welcome to another parth marate solo intro for reasons we will get into later on in the episode uh trent alguerre can't be with us today and so you're forced to just listen to what i alone have been eating most recently so most recently um well today I worked from 7 a.m. till 1 p.m., and so it was kind of an early day for me. And then I came home and uh, showered and unintentionally took a three-hour nap because of how tired I was. Um, And then I woke up and my dad came to my room and said, Hey, Barth, um, pizza today? And I said, yeah. So my family, my familia, if you will, uh, ordered pizza and a little bit of pasta uh, from Penitary's, um, which is pretty close to where we live, and it's it it was mighty delicious. We got margarita pizza, um, much to a friend of the show Sophia Alexis's potential dismay. Um, she likes margarita pizza, just not as much as cheese pizza, which I find kind of sacrilegious. But um, yeah, that's what I've been eating today. Uh, it's on days like this where I'm recording alone that I wonder what Trent's been eating. But um, if my if our dedicated followership is listening to this uh, episode, maybe you can go um, go DM him on Instagram um, and try to figure that out. Because um, him and I, we are not on speaking terms. Um, but who I was on speaking terms with was Oren Sofer. And um, I kind of want to start cueing the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture this week as i stated previously we are talking with cinematographer or should i say co-cinematographer oren sofer uh who is the co-dp on this week's film the creator that's right folks um this episode is a little bit late our usual um release date is the lord's day sunday um but we had to push this um, a little bit to Tuesday because Craft Services was invited to a press screening um, for this movie, for this interview. And because of that, um, we, there's like a social media embargo and then a review embargo, and this isn't exactly a review, but Craft Services, we like to play it safe. Um you know, we're known for that. And so, um, we just decided to delay this episode until it was smooth sailing and 20th century, um, studios would not get very, very, very upset with us, um, which we would not want. Um, 
but yeah, unfortunately, Trent Alguerre was not able to make it to this press screening. Friend of the show, Jackson Clark, was. Um, and I'm sure he'll be on the discussion episode to talk all about our screening experience. Spoiler alert. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Trent it wasn't able to make it to the screening and therefore wasn't able to make it to the interview. Um, so this is the first solo interview done by me only since... Richie Cohan, who is the trailer um, music editor for John Wick 2. Um, so it's it's been like two or three years since I've done this on my own. It was nerve-wracking. Um, I'm usually very happy to have Trent there because um, sometimes when I don't have anything cool or clever to say, uh, Trent is there to take the heat off for me, but this time it was just me. Um, but thankfully, I didn't feel any heat because our guest today, Oren Sofer, was so, so, so kind and gracious and smart and giving with all of his answers. He was super, super cool. He helped set us up with the screening. Um, he helped, uh, you know, this whole thing along. Um, so, yeah, this is part one of a two-part interview. Uh, part one is going to be kind of short. Um rest assured next week's episode will more than make up for it um but yeah um super cool guy super cool interview um and we this is getting released before the movie actually gets released so um i'm gonna say this again once we come back but guys you should check out the creator uh i really really enjoyed it and i think if you like the movies we like, you probably will too. Um, but don't rush to go see the movie quite yet. Uh, you can't. It's not out yet. But um, rush to see this interview, or listen to this interview, rather, um, because I'm about to cue it right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Aaron Sofer. He's the cinematographer behind our film for today, Gareth Edwards, The Creator. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Excited to dive in. Yeah, so just to start off, if you could talk about your relationship to film uh, at a young age. Yeah, I mean, that really was my first love. Um, I awesome. just love movies. Like for, It's like the opening of Goodfellas. It's like, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved movies. Uh and not wanting to be a gang, a gangster. I, I just wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember when I first watched star Wars. I, I must've been three, like I must've been three years old. Um, and I have like very early imprints in the back of my brain of like Yoda crawling around his hut. And I just, I always just loved little Yoda crawling around his hut in empire strikes back. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I mean, what's not to love? Uh, like, it's just wiggling his little butt. But um, yeah, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future and Jurassic Park all kind of came into the fold around that time. And I was a big dinosaur kid. So like Jurassic Park was my Bible. And um, yeah, like around nine or 10, I think I started getting interested in filmmaking. Um, I think it was when the uh, Star Wars special editions came out. They came with like a, they, I mean, they came out on VHS, so there's no special features on VHSs, but I remember that the VHS box set came with like an interactive CD-ROM. Oh, wow. 
that that was the behind the scenes. It had all the behind the scenes of the, of the original trilogy, and you could click around and it would play videos. So I think that, and then later the Lord of the Rings box set, the DVD box sets. Yeah, that that was really the like turn on to. Oh, I love movies, and I can also make movies. Uh, and then uh, yeah, but the the love of movies never died. Like I still. I still watch a ton. I mean, I, I, I try to watch a movie every day. I don't always succeed, but I try and I'm very active on Letterboxd. So anyway, yeah, that's well, one, away. you're one of the people. Um, uh, yeah. I'm one of those for better or for worse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I, I probably shouldn't advertise it actually. Cause it'll, sure, yeah. it'll, it'll get me in trouble <laughs> one day, but for now, anyway, yes. Um, so obviously you're a working cinematographer and sort of how did you first start gravitating towards the camera department? Um, and when did you sort of realize, Oh, that's my, that's my lane. Well, in addition, yeah. In addition to being a movie lover as a kid, I was also into art. Um, I was like an avid, um, drawer and painter, uh, since also like a very young age, like I was drawing, uh, dinosaurs, obviously. I mean, right. it was it was just dinosaurs, um, and eventually Star Wars characters. Like again, since I was four or five, like I was already making up, you know, f- f- fantastical worlds. And my friend and I, my best friend and I, when I was a little kid, like we came up with this whole dinosaur park that was not Jurassic Park; it was our own dinosaur park, and we d- we did a ton of drawings and artwork and all that. Um, so that was also a big part of my childhood. And then eventually, I I found photography, mm-hmm. still photography. And I started shooting 35 millimeter on my grandfather's old Minolta camera. So this was maybe middle school. Um, so yeah, like visual art was also always just omnipresent in, in my life and my early um, childhood. Uh, and I think cinematography emerged a little bit later, like maybe in high school, but it, it, it sort of became this obvious inevitable, like meeting point of, visual art and movie loving. And it was like, oh, there's a a job that you could do on set that that, that, that there's a component of filmmaking that is this, that is visual image making. Um, And I think I do have to credit the uh, Lord of the Rings special features for that. Like they had a whole segment on cinematography. And I think maybe that was the first time I heard that term. And and then, you know, there's some books, like there's some early books that you get, like once you start getting interested in it. So I lived in Israel at this time. So I was very far mm. away from Hollywood and like movie making in general. Like this was all just like a very far off dream. But yeah, I started making like little movies with my friends on um, camcorder, like my my family's camcorder. And um, yeah, we had a filmmaking class in high school as well, which which I was very fortunate uh, to have that. So a bunch of us took that, um, and we were shooting on VHS and eventually mini DV. So still very scrappy, very like early digital stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was the foundation. That was the, 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 the early, uh, the, the first foray into cinematography for me, I think. And then, and then I went to NYU film school and started doing it a little bit more professionally student shooting student films on 16 millimeter and, 35 and, and early digital, um, or early high-end digital cameras, like cinema cameras. I mean, the Alexa came out in my sophomore year and like red was around. We had the red one shot a lot of films on the red one. Yep. That's cool. I miss it. I miss that camera. I have a weird nostalgia for 
you know, waiting two minutes for a camera to boot up and have it like weigh and be the size pounds. of, yeah, like a, like a cement block. I, I, I don't know. Something comforting about that for me. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, fast forwarding, um, to the movie of the day, uh, the mm. creator, yeah. um, could you sort of talk about, um, your, the process of you coming on board the project? Because as I understand it, Dune, um, was sort of, uh, instrumental in your coming on, um, or, yeah, yeah, in in some ways, I have to thank Denis Villeneuve for yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> getting this movie, even though I have never met him, um, but hope to one day. Uh, but yeah, uh, basically, um, Greg had been working on this project with Gareth for a number of years, and obviously they worked together on Rogue One. And uh, they'd been sort of soft prepping the creator, uh, doing some tests, figuring out the methodology and the camera and the approach. And, uh, but the shoot date was, was a moving target. Mm. So like the actual start of production and eventually they settled on a schedule. Um, this was all exacerbated by COVID. I mean, the, the film had been in the works since, um, 2018. So took a number of years to actually get the production off the ground. COVID added a lot of delays. Um, the plan was always to shoot in Southeast Asia. So, you know, there's very strict COVID protocols, um, in these countries and yeah, so just waiting for the right window and eventually it came. And of course it came right when prep on Dune part two was starting. So Greg sort of had to, um, take a step back from being on set for the creator and brought me on basically to carry the baton, uh, in that regard and go on set with, uh, Gareth to Thailand and, uh, London and um, Greg stayed on board as a, sort of more of a remote position. Right. I mean, he was in London prepping uh, Dune, but uh, still, I mean, I would talk to him every day. And, you know, we were also very active in prep together during um, during hard prep. Mm -hmm. So three months I was in Thailand with Gareth, but we would talk to Greg every day uh, on Zoom. And um, yeah, so still maintained an active role, but um, from afar. And it was a very unique way of working. Uh, I, I'd certainly never done a film that way before. And I don't think Greg had either, but um, uh, yeah. Um, and we also shot a little bit in London at the end. So Greg was sort of instrumental in setting up our stage work uh, at Pinewood while we were still shooting in Thailand. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's how, that's how it came about. And Greg has been a, a mentor for a number of years now, which um, I realize is sort of like winning the DP lottery, but definitely I, <laughs> very grateful for that relationship, of course. And, and, and um, yeah, it sort of led to this every once in a while, I get a call out of the blue from Greg and it's always about some last minute, like crazy project he needs help with. And this was sort of just the latest in a series of those calls, like over years and, um, and yeah, sort of the craziest one. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. uh, when you're talking hard prep, could you sort of explain what work was done prior to you having come on board versus uh, those three months you were spending prepping the movie and just sort of what that actually is, I guess? Yeah. So soft prep for any listeners who maybe haven't like encountered these terms, but basically like hard prep refers to the sort of like official prep period of a film that is like five days a week, you know, multiple weeks in a row. Like that's, that's the hard prep, like there's call sheets, there's full right. production staff, like it's part of the production really. 
Um, and then soft prep just refers to all of the work that happens like prior to that start date. Cause obviously DPs, production designers, costume designers, like all these department heads tend to start working on a project like way before the hard prep starts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes it's in an, in a kind of on and off capacity. So in the creator, like Greg and Gareth had been working on it for years, but it was, it was on and off. I mean, it was like right. occasionally they would chat about it. A couple months pass. They set up a test. A couple more months pass. Shoot so a dune in between. Shoot a dune in between and a Batman. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, that um, that's the soft prep. And um, I mean, we can get into the nitty gritty of it, but like typically um, there's like a different pay structure for it because it's not consecutive days. Hard prep mm. is you're on a time card. It's like, it's like part of the shoot. Clocking in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, a lot of the work of coming up with the methodology of the film and like the approach of the filmmaking, Greg and Gareth had already worked out um, during their soft prep period, like for years talking about the project and imagining how we could make it and how they could shoot it and like finding the gear and sort of just discussing the approach and and how to approach it a little bit differently than a typical blockbuster and like a typical big budget um, film. And uh, the camera lenses gimbal, like all that stuff was sort of already in place by the time I came on board. Um, and they knew how they wanted to shoot it at least, um, in terms of gear and, and like the technical approach. Uh, and you know, Gareth is the most prepared director I've ever worked with. Like I came on and even before I talked to him, um, they had sent me like, I mean, there was reams of concept art, like accumulated over years for this, just like hundreds of images. Gareth gathers like thousands of reference images and is very organized. Like it's all on Dropbox and they're all organized by scene and by location. Like he spends so much time researching and thinking about how he wants the project to look and gathering reference materials. Actually funny story, like Gareth is actually partially responsible for shot deck, like not um, directly, but indirectly. Like he worked with, um, Larry share on Godzilla years mm. ago. And part of his like image research gathering process was like s- dovetailed with Larry's own plans of, of image gathering. Like they had sort of both been thinking about things in parallel. And then Larry was like, Oh, I'm actually working on this awesome. thing. And then Gareth was like, that's going to be the the most useful tool for film for filmmakers that I've ever heard of. Um, and yeah, so sort of a little trivia about (laughs) shot deck there, but um, we used it heavily, obviously on this film. Um, Very, very useful resource. And yeah, like Gareth had already done a ton of research and gathered so many images. And um, yeah, so all of that was done in soft prep. Like there was already a really solid idea of what the film wanted to look like, feel like, and how he wanted to make it. So then when I came on board, um, we had about a month before official prep started. And in that time, it, I really just spent that time catching up on everything that Greg and Gareth had already been working on and chatting with the two of them, getting into their heads, um, getting them into my head, like basically just creating a shared three-way brain between the three of us. Cause that's, right. that's how we needed to approach the film. Like we just needed to kind of get on that same level. Hard prep. What? So I flew to Thailand basically and started prep, hard prep. And Honestly, most of it was scouting. Like we shot in 80 locations all over mm-hmm. the country. You had to fly to some of them and then take a van for seven hours. Like 
pretty difficult to get to some of these places. Uh, and, but very rewarding. Uh, the payoff is hopefully all in the movie. Uh, but yeah, scouting took a long time. I mean, we prepped for four months, I think. And mm-hmm. a lot of it was on the road. Uh, and then in between, it's like, you're just doing all the work of, um, uh, you know, creating, I, I would create documents for each set, basically like each location, put in some, uh, reference images from Gareth's references, add some of my own still images from the scouts and then also just start coming up with the lighting plan for each location and figuring out like what we would need to do in each space. And, uh, and other than that, it was just chatting with Greg and Gareth about reference, more reference images and movie references and talking about what we like and what we don't like and figuring out like the nitty gritty of honing in like our aesthetic tastes. Um, and like, to the, to the tiny, de- tiniest detail. Like we would look at an image and, and say, mm, we really like the contrast in this image. Like the ratio is really nice. Okay. So like save this one. Okay. This next image, uh, uh, it's maybe a little too lit. Like we don't really like that, but Oh, the color scheme is really nice in this one. Okay. So maybe put that in a different folder and there are thousands of images. So, I mean, this was just a very thorough taste alignment process, but um, yeah, I think it was really instrumental because once we got into the actual shooting, I think just like having an intimate understanding of Gareth's taste um, and what he likes is um, was, was, was really important lighting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Cause Gareth was operating the camera. So it was, it was like a dance between the two of us of what's in the frame. Where's the camera pointing? What angle of the light is it capturing? And me kind of matching it. Like it's, well, we can get into it. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's sort of the big picture gist of it. <laughs> What an interview, or rather half an interview. Um, yeah, so we the, the, we get into some more technical stuff in the next episode, and that's why this first episode is kind of so short and only focuses on prep period um, because it kind of just made sense to have all the production stuff together. Um, so next week you can enjoy part two, more Oren Sofer. Um he again thank you so much to him um it's guests like him that make this podcast go round um and fun fact he joined the call and was like oh i listened to your interview with maria rushi i was like what and he was like yeah we were school classmates at nyu which is very cool um i really like when there's like commingling amongst our guests which happens every so often But yeah, I guess now it's time to close this episode out. Um, Thank you so much, Orrin Sofer. We'll see you again next week. Um, I mean, I saw you already, um, but the listeners will hear you next week. Um, And uh, another point. um, Thank you, Orrin Sofer, for having a good microphone. Um, Not a necessity, but a rarity and always appreciated. Uh, so yes, yeah, so thank you because we got some crispy, clean audio. Uh, next week, part two, you can listen to these episodes anywhere you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Amazon Music, everywhere, guys. We're there. As for social media, 
We're on Instagram and Twitter, uh, where you can always see updates and posts about what the latest episodes are. Occasionally, we'll post a funny picture or two or reminisce about prior better times. That's all I have to say. I hope you guys have a good week. But it'll actually be less than a week um, for you guys, because it'll be from Tuesday to Sunday. So a little bit of a shortened time, a wait time for you guys. Also, um, I've been meaning to do this the last few episodes. Hunter, my coworker at TJ Maxx, if you're listening to this, here's your shout out. I appreciate you listening to these episodes. Bye.